0: You're listening to the author interview from The Colonel. In each issue, we talk to the writer of one of our features or reports and go behind the story. I'm Stephen Pritchard, managing editor of The Colonel, and joining me now from Washington, D.C. is William Newton. William wrote the report, Preaching to the Connected, for the launch issue of the magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. William, your piece takes an in-depth look at how the global Catholic community is making more and more use of the Internet. What was it that prompted you to write this story?
1: For me, I have gotten very tired over the last several years of looking at how the mainstream media reports on the Catholic Church almost exclusively in negative terms and doesn't realise what um, young people and uh, technologically savvy people have been doing with respect to the use of blogging, social media, podcasting, etc., cetera um, for evangelization and also for shoring each other up. Um, if you just read regular print media or look at television, you would think that the Catholic Church is just a bunch of old men, um, when the reality is is that most young Catholics that I know who are active in their faith um, are involved in new media in ways that essentially get around the mainstream media. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's being spoken about enough.
0: You say young Catholics, is there quite a distinct age demarcation.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I think that there is, um, and there is a definite break, if you will, between our parents' generation, the baby boomer generation, um, and those of us who are sort of collectively referred to as the JP2 generation. In other words, um, we grew up not knowing any other pope other than John Paul II because of the length of his pontificate. Um, and those of us who are in our 20s and 30s have stuck around when a lot of our contemporaries left simply because, um, let's face it, our parents' generation didn't really do a very good job in terms of catechesis. Um, In other words, passing on the faith and teaching the fundamentals of the faith. And as a result, those of us who are left are very committed. And because we're very committed and because we still live in the modern world and try to integrate our lives with what's going on, we make use of social media in ways that I think that um, a lot of the older generation um, of our parents and grandparents are not necessarily very comfortable with.
0: And if you look at the Catholic community and other faith communities, do you see distinctions between them the impression that I have from reading around the subject and reading your piece is that Christianity, especially in North America, has embraced the internet quite quickly, but perhaps among the Christian communities, the Catholics have been less quick than some of the others.
1: I would say that's true. Um, and and obviously I can only speak to the experience of being a Christian. I obviously can't say how, for example, Muslims or, or Buddhists or Jews um, are using technology. With respect to Christianity, certainly, um, apart from perhaps the Orthodox, um, we are the slowest to come to the table in terms of the you know, major divisions within, within Christendom. But there's a reason for that that is not only because of the fact that Rome is always very slow to change. I think it has to do with the fundamental nature of what it means to worship in Catholic liturgy as opposed to what it means to worship in the sort of megachurch evangelical um, liturgy that is, you know, so fascinating to, to many people in, in, in the UK and in Europe, When I talk to them about it, you know, the, the concept of, you know, 5,000 people in a church with, um, you know, PowerPoint presentations going on and all of this, you know, headsets and a Starbucks in the lobby, that is foreign to the Catholic experience for a very simple reason, um, which many people do not think about when they criticize the church for not being as hip, let's say, as the evangelical tent church that just happens to be using the movie theater down the street instead of a normal bricks-and-mortar church building. And the reason is, is because for Catholics, the center of our Sunday worship is the Eucharist. The center of Sunday worship for a modern, hip, Protestant evangelical is the preacher. You can go to Mass... For a Catholic, and sit in the front pew, or you can sit in the back pew, and it doesn't really make any difference other than how you, you know, how well you hear what's going on, because the mass is essentially the same every time you go. You know, the readings will change from one day to the other, and depending on what liturgical cycle we're in. But that's it. And if the priest who's celebrating the mass is a good preacher, that's great. If he's not, it's still a valid mass. If you have someone who, in a sort of Steve Jobs type fashion is strolling around on a stage and using all kinds of technology to try to attract people to what he's saying, it matters more where you sit because obviously you want to sit as close as possible. Um, And it also matters how dynamic of a speaker he is because if he's not a dynamic speaker and if he's not drawing in hundreds or thousands of people every week to support the enormous expenses that are involved in churches of that size, um, then, like any business, it's going to fail. So I I think that that's one of the fundamental reasons why, comparatively speaking, that Catholics are a bit late to the game when it is compared to um, some of the more modern evangelical churches. Um, Although, to be fair, a lot of the mainline Protestant churches have not been that quick to embrace technology either. Um, The ones that are more close to the Catholic church in terms of liturgical practice, such as the Episcopalians and the Lutherans and the Methodists, um, they're not necessarily um, succeeding when it comes to new media in as fast a way as these non-denominational evangelical churches are either. Um, I think the other thing as well is there are a lot of young people um, who are coming up now in the church, who are still too young to be bishops, but at some point will be leading their communities when our parents' generation finally either you know shuffles off this mortal coil or moves to Florida in this country, um, perhaps you know to Malaga and yours. And when they essentially get out of the way and allow us to do things, um, we are very comfortable with, Technology in a way that the current hierarchy isn't simply because they're older. Because of the emergence of these different new media outlets for younger Catholics, especially that are taking advantage of them, um, we don't have to listen anymore to what the mainstream media wants to say about our religion. And if you think about, say, 15 years ago, if someone had done a cover piece for you know, one of the major magazines like Time or Newsweek or something like that, attacking the Catholic Church, the only thing that the parishioner in the pew would have been able to do would be write a letter to the editor, which would probably get ignored anyway complain to their pastor and say, you know, Father, what are we supposed to do here? And, of course, the priest would generally throw up his hands and say, I guess we shouldn't buy Time magazine anymore.
0: If you look at it from the perspective of your piece, the other thing that came across, I think, quite strongly was that although the church has been slow to embrace this and perhaps individual Catholics have been relatively slow to embrace this, the change is now accelerating and we are going to see differences. Why do you think people are being driven to do this? Is it a reaction to the mainstream media or is it the opportunity that's there to communicate because these tools are available and they're relatively cheap, they are relatively easy to use?
1: What's interesting is is that if we take podcasting just as a medium, for example, um, there are a number of path- Catholic podcasts that are podcasts that are out there that you can um, you know download from iTunes. and when you look at the content of those, um, the vast majority are people who, you know, some of whom I I listen to regularly, sometimes I I, I listen occasionally, are people who are very orthodox and who turn to podcasting as an outlet um, simply because they felt some type of restraint in the mainstream media in terms of how Catholicism was being portrayed that they did not accept. Um, and that this was a way for them to reach out to other Catholics who are interested in new media and say, um, here's my experience. So a number of the people that I interviewed for my piece, for example, are people who are either regular podcasters or who have appeared on podcasting um, you know, with, with some frequency as guests um, and almost to an individual. Um, they've said that one of the reasons they turned to podcasting uh, you know, was simply because they were, they were frustrated with not being able to find the kind of media resources that um, they needed in order to essentially build up their faith rather than always be reacting to what other people are saying about it. I think you're right also, though, in the sense that um, there are a lot of people who secular or Catholic, um, enjoy the fact that there are all of these different ways to basically be your own publishing house. Um, You can come out with, you know, your own writing, you can do your own broadcasts, you can make YouTube videos, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do that is simply appealing to most human beings in general. I think what makes it different for Catholics is that there has not been as much material available for us, I would say, as there are materials for some of the Protestant churches that are appealing to modern, technologically savvy people. Um, So that's probably part of what is going on, is that people are looking for content, and when they realize that there isn't as much content there... For the very reasons that you say, it's inexpensive. It's something that you can do in your own home. Um, they say, "Why don't I come up with some content myself?" And if they do a good job, um, they will end up building a base of you know readers, followers, listeners, what have you. Simply because people can sift through the material that they're being given and sort out things that are worth. Keeping up with it or worth recommending to friends, um, you know, through social media, through just basic email or conversation, whatever. And certainly, in my experience, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that I live in a in a in a city with a very thriving um, Catholic population, and, and um, you know, our our archdiocese is doing a, you know really good job. Our seminaries are are literally bursting at the seams, you know, undoing a lot of the damage that had been done previously. And most of the young Catholics that I know here. Um, will tell each other about Catholic media resources that are available because they know that spreading this sort of thing by word of mouth is encouraging more good stuff to be produced.
0: But the other aspect to this is the relationship between the lay community and the church hierarchy. And although you have interviewed a trainee at a seminary, you interviewed a priest, but the majority of people featured in your story are laity. Do you think that will change? Do you think that the church will start to do this for themselves more? And if they do, could that potentially affect the richness of the media landscape that's being created?
1: I don't know that you are ever going to see a situation where um, all of the cardinals and the Curia have their own podcasts or blogs. um, Even when or whatever the technology is going to be 40 years from now, when people who are you know, more comfortable with this sort of thing finally get to you know, be at that point. Um, there are very remarkable people, like um, Father Roderick Von Hogan, who founded SQPN, uh, StarQuest Production Network, which is, is now, I believe, the largest producer of Catholic podcasts in the world, um, which he started because he happened to be in Rome when John Paul II was uh, gravely ill and dying, and he had started learning about podcasting um, and just decided to do a daily report from Rome about you know, what he was hearing going on there, the preparations once the Pope had died and so on, and attracted the attention of Vatican Radio, who said, you know, we'd like to get into podcasting as well. Can you show us how to do it? Um, so there are priests who are very savvy, and, and in fact, I start... Um, my piece for for the colonel, um, talking about a man that I've never met, um, a priest in um, a very remote part of the United States, who reaches hundreds, if not thousands, of people every week with his sermons because he digitally records them and then puts them on his blog and lets people know on Twitter and Facebook that he, he you know, you can go listen to his sermons, um, and he's, you know, he's a very good. Um, very good theologian but um, I don't know that you're ever going to get to the point where all the or even the majority of the bishops are going to be completely happy with technology for the simple reason that the laity is capable of expressing independent opinion with respect to various issues of Catholicism that the hierarchy simply can't Um, there has to be some level of agreement um, among the brother bishops as to how they're going to approach a particular issue. And while an individual bishop um, may have an opinion on something and he may write a book about something and go on a book tour and so on, um, that's fine, but I don't think because of the nature of the work that they do um, that you're going to see a great number of them tweeting all day long, for example. Now, there are a few bishops already, who do such things, Um, but they are certainly in the minority, but I don't think you're ever going to see a situation where one of the princes of the church is going to have enough time to, uh, to engage in new media that way.
0: There's always going to be then scope for people to to come up with their own ideas and to give them an airing, regardless of their individual faith backgrounds and their technological understanding too. William Newton, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Uh, For more content from the Colonel, please do be sure to visit our website, www.colonelmag.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Colonel Mag, and you can also sign up to our newsletter, The Nutshell. Thank you very much for listening to this author interview.